When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgy and Gray. Hey, how are you, lads? Hey, up. How are you doing? How are you? Not too bad. How have your Easter weekends been? We're recording on Easter Monday. Hodgy, how's your weekend been so far? Been good. Um, good candy, bit of food. Uh, done a couple of chores. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Wow, that sounds. I thought you said. Yeah, I thought you said it was a good weekend. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you, you went to a pub quiz yesterday with Glenn. I did go with Glenn. Yeah, sounds like you had a few beverages. Yeah, we did. I smashed a couple of bottles of wine in. It was. Uh, it was good. No, 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 no. Give us the full list that you gave me this morning. Oh, uh, pint, two bottles of wine shared between us, three vermouths, and then came home and had three whiskeys. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and then uh, half a pork pie when I got in. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Gray, how can you top that? I don't think I can. Just eating lots of chocolate and drank lots of beer. Haven't you been away somewhere? Yeah, I went down to the in-laws in Wiltshire. It's pretty bad that I have to fucking tell you what you <laughs> lot have done this weekend. You know, it's the same question every time. What have you been up to this weekend? And I've got to tell you you've been away. That's the most interesting thing about your weekend. And I'm sat here fucking telling you. I don't know what you're laughing about either, Hodgie. I had to tell you how many drinks you had last night as well. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, man. Uh, anyway, thanks for asking, guys. How about you? I went to Epping Forest on Saturday, took Stanley out for a nice big walk, and then got pissed on Saturday, so wasted most of the day yesterday. Quite a nice chilled one. But given that it is Easter Monday and it's Easter weekend, grey, hot cross buns, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> that was very timid. Well, that was so much deliberation. <laughs> Depends what mood I'm in. I'm not the biggest fan of raisins and currants and things. So it depends on the type of hot cross bun. If it's a traditional one, then don't know. But if it's one of these new jazzy flavours, potentially. Right, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Hodgy, hot cross buns, yes or no? Nah. Shite. Really? <laughs> Is it the same reason? Not my jam. Like, uh, like, I don't like fruit in like cakes and stuff like that. Like, you know, like Christmas cake and that. I just don't like that kind of vibe. Fucking hell. I mean, I've just been on an intravenous drip of hot cross buns ever since the supermarket started putting them out. I love a hot cross bun, me. Love them. But I agree, though. Christmas cake, too much fruit. Hate that. What do you put on it? Do you go jam or do you go butter or... Just a bit of butter, lad. Butterly, butterly. Absolutely. I'll have to get some and freeze them so I can keep myself going. Well, yes, lots to talk about in this episode, but before we get into it, I should probably do the socials before Hodgy has a shout at us. Yeah, boy. <laughs> you can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, etc., etc. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TOTT Podcast, on Instagram at TOTT underscore podcast, and on Facebook and YoChobe by searching for Talk of the Tune Podcast. Would love it if you could go give us a follow and a five-star review if you're feeling ever so kind. It is Easter, so please and thanks. Right, lots to talk about in this episode then. Two results. Yes, this is a double header for us, so we've got two matches to talk about. Both wins, fortunately, and both wins away from home. After a crazy run of three games in six days, we've managed to come away with nine points in total. Maximum points, you've got to love it. So lots to talk about in this episode. Start with the West Ham game, and then we'll move on to the most recent, which is against Brentford. But as usual, I say as usual, it's now becoming a bit of a tradition, hopefully. Your three words to sum up one of the games, both of the games, whatever you're feeling. Uh, Hodgie, do you want to kick us off with your three words? Yeah. Will is famous. Oh yeah, I forgot about <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't started with that straight up and been like, eh, I'm oh, on TV. <laughs> mate, my head, oh, fuck, you know what my memory's like? I totally forgot about that. Now I sound all like fake humble, don't I? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for noticing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Hodge. It means I don't have to bring it up myself. <laughs> Mint, yeah, we'll come on to that. Gray, what are your three words to sum up one or both of the games? I think I made the note in the group that Will is famous. I'm kicking myself. I didn't yep. see that from... <laughs> Stole that straight out. Yeah, <laughs> bastard. So I'm going to go with Howe's Tactical Genius. That's another good one. I like that one. More in relation to Brentford than, than West Ham. Well, both, you could probably argue. And it only took you one go this time as well. I've not had 47 words, I've had three words this time. <laughs> I've been stressing for the last five minutes. So I can tell yeah, you. You've been yeah. surprisingly quiet even for you. My three words are referees are wank, <laughs> which is probably quite poignant this weekend. But if we jump straight into it, uh, Hodgie, obviously the West Ham game. I was on television. Thanks very much for noticing. I've seen myself on two more Newcastle goal compilations, which is a very strange feeling. But yes, 5-1 winners against West Ham. How are you feeling after the match? Class. I think it was always going to be a tricky game going down there. And there was definitely a certain little bit of nerves I could see by the players, but the way that they finished off the game like that second half was just class late. I think we just run amok. I was super, super happy after that result. It gave me so much confidence that then going into what will be the next game that we'll talk about, which is Brentford, which again went really well in, in our favour. So yeah, absolutely elated with that 5-1 win. So two pretty big changes coming into the West Ham game. We saw the return of Joe Linton after his suspension and also the return of Callum Wilson after a bit of a goal drought for his terms. Obviously, Joe Linton coming in for Joe Willock, who dropped the bench, and then C. Wilson coming in for Alexander Isaac, which was a bit of a surprise. But boy, did those changes work for us, Gray. Yeah, well, they got four goals between them, didn't they? And it was great to see Wilson back in the score sheet, getting two and getting such an early goal as well, and two cool finishes. And then for Joe Linton, who isn't really renowned for his goal-scoring abilities, but seems to be hitting a bit of form, is, I think, surprising us a bit from his midfield workhorse position. And, I mean, it's a pretty open game. To be fair, I think West Ham could have scored three or four goals themselves. But, I mean, it's just end-to-end and just a great game to watch. And, uh, yeah, we punished what was a very, very poor West Ham side. And I did say that we are going to put a few goals past them. So I was quite, quite pleased with that prediction. Did you go 4-0 in the end? I did, yeah. So you got the goal difference right, at least. That's got to count somewhere. Close but no cigar, I'm afraid. Well, yeah, as as Hodgie kind of alluded to, let the cat out of the bag, I was at the West Ham game, which was an absolutely amazing experience. The West Ham fans are a bit shit-like. Fucking (laughs) big old new stadium. They've pretty much got one song. It goes, Lions. That's it. So all the noise is coming from the Newcastle end, including myself and Ali. 
What a game though. Absolutely mad. I mean, we we got into it quite quickly with the goal from Callum Wilson and then the goal that was originally chalked off for offside, but was then given thanks to VAR. So maybe we shouldn't count our chickens quite yet. A good call, good run and a good through ball from Fabian Scher, Joe Linton Bags. They got themselves back in the game, which made for a very, very nervous last five minutes of the first half. But we came straight out of the blocks, second half. Most of the Newcastle fans actually missed it because they're all still getting pints down at the bar. Jacob Murphy nicking the ball off their centre half, passing it um, for Wilson to get his second. It was amazing. What a brilliant game. He then got two more goals. Again, Gray kind of alluded to it. West Ham were really poor. Uh, Fabianski pretty much just kicks the ball into Alexander Izak, takes it on his chest, pops it over him with the coolest finish you'll probably see all season. Hands on his hips, watching it go in yeah. alongside <laughs> Fabianski, uh, which Gray just said makes a, makes a brilliant photo. And then uh, Joe Linton finishes it off. A good pump ball through from Bruno, picks up Joe Linton on the left-hand side, and he slots it away. And it was after that goal that I got my, my five seconds of fame on the television, if anyone wants to go and have a look. Absolutely pranging out in the top right-hand corner of the screen. Thanks very much. I mean, Hodgy, what a good set of goals. There was a comment made by Carragher, I think it was, and he said that, for Joe Linton's first, that Shaw shanked the ball and he didn't mean it at all. <laughs> what a joke. Like, he's looked up in the replay that where they have it, like, straight down where he's kicked it, like, basically towards the camera. Mm-hmm. He's, like, head up, knows what he's doing. He's just slid that ball. Like, that was an absolute master stroke of a pass. And I love watching him play them kind of balls or, like, long crossfield ones. He makes it look so easy, like, didn't he? Yeah, he was fantastic on the day. I mean... The last time I saw us play live, Hodju, was when we went to the Carabao Cup game at St. James's. I can't remember who it was against now. Ooh. Yeah, a long time ago. Just before Christmas. Uh, But we really weren't on form that day. So I'm so glad I've got to see us again when we were absolutely firing on all cylinders. I don't think you quite appreciate how good Kieran Trippier is until you see him live in the flesh. He was absolutely brilliant. I've not seen anything like it in a very long time. Probably the best performance from us all season in terms of the starting players, the selection from Eddie, the changes he made, obviously brings on Isaac who gets a goal. Jacob Murphy, I thought was absolutely brilliant as well. Like really industrious. He's very hard to take the ball off now and obviously puts it on a plate for Wilson to get his second. I thought Murphy was unlucky not to get one as well, which probably would have been goal of the season, you know, when they're playing at one touch football mm-hmm. and then Fabianski pulls off the only good save he made all game. I thought it was just a really, really good team performance. Gray seems like so far away, but it was only a few days ago. But any kind of highlights from you in terms of players? Well, I think it's hard to look past the three goal scorers. I don't necessarily think anyone had a bad game. Pope should have probably done better that corner and not got caught under Antonio as he did. But apart from that, it was pretty solid. I know that it was open and they had a couple of good chances, but... Yeah, I mean, playing just so well as a team and seem to have found that flow now where players can come in, they know exactly what's expected of them. It doesn't matter if they're playing slightly in a different position or not. And they just fit into the system so well. And whether the system changes slightly, I don't know. I'm not that much of a tactician in watching refiner details, but it's, uh, it's just so, so good to see. And just to be hitting the form we are at this moment in time is just incredible. It's just so great to see us playing like that and they had to score five goals in a game. Five goals in five games in a row. It's mad, isn't it? The bounce back of all bounce backs, like three 2-0 losses on the bounce, two in the league and obviously the Carabao Cup final. Sad face. But yeah, <laughs> amazing results so far. I mean, 2-1 win at home against Wolves, 2-1 away at Forest, 
2-0 win at home against United, that one we won't forget for a long time. Then to carry on the momentum, as Gray said, into West Ham away, come away 5-1 winners, and then obviously the latest result against Brentford 2-1. What a brilliant time to be a Newcastle United fan. And just to touch on your point previously, Gray, as well, when Howe made changes, one thing that I really noticed was they managed to come in and really keep up the momentum and they kept the pace. And I think I said that in the last episode as well, but it does look like every single player knows their role and knows their job. Gordon comes on, he's really industrious. Isaac just comes on and does Isaac things, which is brilliant to see. Just every player has their role and everyone's playing incredibly well at the minute. Just before we move on to the Brentford game, Gray, did you have another point? I see you got your hand raised. Apparently there are Villa scouts watching Bruno at the West Ham game. And I don't know if Bruno Emery is losing his mind a little bit, but there's no <laughs> way Bruno is going to be jumping ship to Villa at this moment in time, is there? Well, if he is, he wants his head checked. I mean, are they not just teaming up with the scouts to see how the fuck do we deal with a player like Bruno? <laughs> Could well be. How do we deal with a team like Newcastle, I think? <laughs> yeah. They are the next game up. God, can you just now you mention his name? Imagine what would have been. You know, when it was between those two, I, rem- I definitely remember saying that I would prefer Emery over Howe. How silly do I look now? And I'm pretty sure one of you <laughs> two said the same thing. I think I went with you on that one as well. Mind you, he's not doing a bad job at Villa, like. He seems to be doing quite well, especially since the Christmas break. He's holding his own, isn't he? Yeah, it was a difficult job, I think, always coming into Villa. Anyway, I think one downside was obviously ASM seemed to pick up a bit of a niggle uh, or had been playing with a bit of a niggle. Again, he just seemed a bit off the pace. That then materialises him missing the Brentford game. But if we move swiftly on, We've gone from probably the best 90 minutes of football we've seen all season as Newcastle United fans to then the worst 45 minutes. Hodgie, do you want to just talk us through that first 45 minutes of Brentford and some of the key events that that took place the first half? Unfortunately, my stream wasn't working, so I had to deal with 45 minutes of the radio commentary, which is uh, after watching every single game on TV pretty much recently, it was a bit of a turndown. They started off pretty brightly. I think Tony had a goal ruled offside, cleared out from a corner, I believe, ball got put back in, flicked on, saved by Pope quite neatly in the in the bottom corner. Mm. Tony was there to bounce on, but I think he was offside by a very small margin, but VAR, again, kind of working its magic, I suppose, <laughs> in this way. We can only say that because it affected us in a positive manner. Yeah. And then kind of later on in the game, just... Just very poor. I don't think we could really pass too much together. It was just seemed very bitty. And they had obviously the bit between the teeth at that point with having something ruled off. So they were pretty mm. up for it. Kind of another bigger moment was Sven Botman absolutely halfing <laughs> and someone in the box. Was that Sade, lad? I think so, yeah. I'd never heard of him before that game, but he was causing us all sorts of trouble. He was. He had good feet and he was quite quick when he so Yeah. Botman's usually quite good at timing those, but he just got that one all wrong. Absolutely floored the lad. Can I argue, can you? Can it? And then Tony, not on his best form there, I suppose. Everyone misses a penalty every now and again, but a really poor effort that was easily saved by Nick Pope. He's not missed one since 2017, though, has he? Really? Yeah, it's, it's mad. They were saying that it was like a thing Newcastle coming up to him and being like, well, getting in his face, but every single team does it. So I don't know what their manager was on about there just clutching at straws to try and make some sort of reason why they didn't win. But it wasn't long until <laughs> there was another penalty check. Isaac kicked the lad in the chest, standard to kind of tackle, I suppose, for a striker, where Tony kind of goes the same way and just buries the second one. So that was, I think, pretty much the last kick of the first half. I think he scored yeah. at 46 minutes or something like that. So obviously annoying to be going in 1-0 down, but 
obviously didn't really affect the lads too much. Yes, indeed. And before we come on to that, I mean, the first one's a stone waller, isn't it? But but Hodge, what are your thoughts on the second penalty? Because it has been a bit of an opinion splitter online and Mr. Alan Shearer has been quite vocal about it too. Yeah, it's funny. Like these ones that get given that are like quite close and I know it wasn't being, it wasn't given for like a high foot or anything, but it was pretty close. So I can kind of see why they've kind of given it, but it's it's a funny one. It's all opinion based, and there's no there's no consistency to it. Obviously, you've got referees in the game and stuff, and they don't have a consistent thing. But when it comes to VAR and it's a checking of something, then it should be way more consistent than what it is. So I, th- yeah. I think that's where the kind of blame lies with anything that happens with VAR. I mean, look at the Brighton and Tottenham game where Brighton could have had probably four things go their way, and it obviously just didn't. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a funny one, like. Gray heard the, a whisper of the word controversy and his hand shot up in the chat. So, uh, Gray, I imagine, imagine you've got a few feelings on, on the second penalty. This is just for VAR in general. I think, yeah, especially the Tottenham Brighton game. I mean, what the fuck were they doing there? But in terms of what happened at the Brentford it's game. All right. They got their apology from Howard Webb. It'll make things all better now. For two of the bad decisions. What about the other two? Yeah, shocking. Isn't the rules VAR should intervene when there's been a clear and obvious error? The referees waved away the penalty. And in my opinion, I think it is a penalty. I mean, he has just kicked him. He's clearly getting to the ball first and Isaac has kicked him. So for me, it's a foul. But like you say, where's the consistency? The referees waved it away. They've taken five minutes for VAR to then send him over to the monitor. And we all know 99% of times when that happens, they're going to change their mind. Yeah, and they're just interfering. They are. It's just like, oh well, if you're a referee, you can doubt yourself, then you're going to change it. And it's just completely wrong the way it's being used. It's just the inconsistencies, and there's no one explaining the decisions to us. It happens in every other sport on TV. Someone's there explaining from a referee side what's going on. So why doesn't it happen in football? It, is fed up of it. There's just no accountability whatsoever for the referees in this league, and that's that's what matters. Like. Howard Webb or whatever's come out and apologised for two of the mistakes in the Brighton game, but has there been anything said about the VAR team? Like, have they been relieved of their duties? Are they being suspended? Like, there's no accountability, and that VAR team will be doing the exact same thing in the next game that they're watching over as well. So, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. For me, I think the consistency point, Man United kicked the shit out of Fabian Scher a few weeks ago. Very similar penalty. We didn't get that one. But then again, a much weaker challenge from Isaac. I think it's debatable whether that's a penalty. I don't think it was, but obviously I've got a bit of bias. But yeah, there's just no consistency whatsoever, is there, Hodge? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app, at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Nah, and I don't really want to go down a kind of VAR wormhole here, but there are ways to fix this kind of situation that we're in and Shoot give the referees <laughs> yeah, more kind of power and go with their gut decision. And it is just to give some sort of like challenge and be like, okay, you get two challenges every half or one for each half. The captain can call it or the manager can call it. Then they go to VAR rather than looking at it and every single little minute thing. But because I mean, sometimes the VAR give penalties for like the slightest of touches yeah. and you go, but that's not affected his next step and like he's throwing himself to the ground or something like that. So for me, it's just, it's very frustrating, but there are, like I say, ways to fix it. And I think that's one of the ways is to have it very limited so that the referees get more kind of say in the game. And I would use it like tennis. If you challenge and you win it, you can win it back. If you if you lose it, that's, that's you kind of gone. So that no one's all going to be challenging every single call. Mm. But also, instead of sending it off to someone outside the stadium, give the fourth official a TV monitor who's there, who's working with the officials, who knows how they're trying to let the game flow. And, yeah, that's and a, that's that he a can point. make a comment of, in the moment, this is what's happening inside the stadium. They understand what they're trying to achieve, how the game's being played. And yeah, I mean, all they currently do is either stand between managers getting to fight or show up the extra time what substitutions board like what else were they doing in the game Stockley Park is that what it's called where all the, the VAR nerds that's, that's the one, that sounds yeah, right, Stockley yeah. Park. a bunch of fannies I think that's probably enough on VAR otherwise again as Hodges alluded to we might get stuck in a bit of a wormhole but very good points I think let's not for one second take away the penalty save from Nick Pope in the middle of our goal a great save to stop that Ivan Tony run of what was it, 28 penalties or 32? I can't remember which one it is now, but unreal record that's then been shattered by Nick Pope. So my fantasy football team thanks him very much. We made a couple of big changes at halftime. We brought on Callum Wilson for Sean Longstaff, and then we brought on Anthony Gordon for Jacob Murphy. I still cannot figure out what formation we went to. I thought it was a (laughs) 4-2-3-1, but it also could have been a 4-4-2. Does anyone know which formation we actually switched to? Whichever it was, it fucking the worked. Nixon pot. Felt like a 4-2-4 four, four, four at times. 4-2-4, four, four. yeah. Everyone at French. Just pumping it <laughs> forward, yeah. But I, th- I, I don't know, was Willock then on the left-hand side? Was Joe Linton on the left-hand side? Those two like to change around a little bit. But then Joe Linton gets his goal from the right-hand side. I had no idea. But anyway, it did as the trick. the players know. Yeah, it did the, <laughs> it did the fucking trick and we got ourselves back in the game, so... Fantastic changes from Howe, yet again. He's not waited till the 60-65th minute. He's been decisive, he's seen things weren't working. As I say, it was a horrendous half of football, the like of which we haven't seen for a very, very long time. We just weren't cooking on gas at all. He changed it up, and it seems to have done the trick. So, after some great work on the right-hand side, as I say, Joe Linton sends Ben Mee for a hot dog and a Kit Kat down the local shop, powers into the box, and then he fires it straight at David Rea who puts it into his own net. So that's an own goal. That gets us back on level terms. And then obviously seven minutes later, um, it's inevitable. You see Alexander Isaac and Callum Wilson linking up again. So good play from the middle of the park. I think it was Bruno broke up the Brentford play, puts it into Wilson. Wilson's on the edge of the penalty box, passes it into Isaac for a first time finish into the top right hand corner. What a fucking finish here, Hodge. Oh, that was dreamy, that like when it, I seen him line up and I was like, oh, this is already in. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah. It's instinctive. I'm just like reliving it in my head. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's just on a plate there, wasn't it? For Wilson? It was. Oh, yeah. It's for Isaac, you mean? But both were just that pass for Wilson. Oh, he puts it on a plate for him. Up, so not, and the minute you saw Wilson's foot, you're like, this is going in. And just everything about it felt right. 
those two playing together just seem to have unlocked the cheat code. I mean, if it's not one of them scoring, it's the other one. How many goals is Isaac up to this season now? Was it seven or eight now he's got in the league? Seven, I think he's on. Yeah. He's, you know, he's got yeah, eight seven, in 13 games now. That is an unbelievable return for someone who, for a lot of this season, has kind of played a bit part role and has come off the bench. Absolutely cracking. The momentum was fully with us after the Isaac goal. And I think four minutes later, we had the goal in the back of the net again. I think it came from another corner, which caused Brentford all sorts of trouble. And then after a bit of turn and throwing, hustle and bustle, bit of tussle, Callum Wilson fires it into the net. But our mate VAR rears its ugly head again, and it's ruled out this time for handball. I mean, great. It looked very much to me as if it hit him on the sleeve, which is the green light area. I mean, it's hit his arm, but his arm's in line with his body. It's down by his side. Like, what more can he physically do apart from lose the arm for it not to hit his arm in that position? That's what VAR want, isn't it? Come on, like, what more could you expect a player to do in that position? He's got to react in a split second. He's done everything right in terms of keeping his arms down by his side. Yeah, I think it's on the sleeve as well. That's the main point. Like, if it hits you on that sleeve, it's good. It depends where on the sleeve, though, because if your arm's outstretched and it hits you on the sleeve, similar to how Matoma, I guess if we're talking about the Brian Tottenham game, how Matoma controlled that ball, I'd say that's handball. But if your arm's down by your side and is in a natural position, or basically you're stood there like a toy soldier or a Lego man, like, what more can you do? Like, honestly, for me, that's so, so harsh to other. That's not a handball for me at all. Hodge, was it a handball for you? Not a handball for me, neither. And I think what they need to kind of look at, because it's, it's happened a couple of times so far in the league, they need to have a, a thing that's similar to maybe is, is the ball all the way over the line? It needs to be, is the majority of the ball solely on his arm or like, and look at the position where his arm is, is it against his body? Is it out in a natural position type thing? I think even the Matoma one, I don't think was a handball for me neither, because it's it's kind of in that nook of that, that shoulder area, armpit. Like that's pretty much the same as what Callum Wilson's was. So I think Vars got two wrong there. Shock horror. I mean, the Matoma one again. What, is this a Newcastle podcast or is it a Brighton podcast? <laughs> I don't know. But he's good though, isn't he? That Matoma. It's an anti-VAR podcast. That's yeah. What it is. Also, a draw would have massively benefited us in that game as well. Mm. Keeps obviously the pressure up with Tottenham coming away with all the points there. Brighton are obviously unlucky to, to not get that one, but if we focus on the Newcastle game, I think no way for me is that a handball. Alan Shearer's head was about to fucking blow up, analysing that game afterwards. Thankfully for Brentford, that stemmed the flow of goals. They kind of got themselves back in the game a little bit, but it was very much our half. I mean, Nick Pope made another good save against Ivan Tony. Alexander Izak got booked for time-wasting. I feel like all the Prem managers are in the fourth official's ear Newcastle are such hot targets for time wasting. Even at the West Ham game, when I was watching Nick Pope take a goal kick, the referee had like his hand up in the air and was like pointing his wrist. I was like, for fuck's sake, man, the blokes just put it down. Like they're really, <laughs> really hot on it, which is, uh, is, is only going to cause trouble for us, I think. But I know Thomas Frank wasn't happy about some of our tactics. I think it was some of the dark arts he called it, and also yeah. Jason Tyndall's behavior on the, <laughs> on the touchline. Mad dog. Woof, woof, woof. yeah he really wasn't happy with some of his behaviour was he Uh, I mean it's done by everybody you can look at other games and there'll be similar stuff that's happened I just think he's trying to make something out of nothing and it's him clutching at straws to come up with some sort of excuse to wear the loss exactly 
Yeah, I mean, and as I say, we've got this big, huge target on our backs, don't we? If it's not what time wasting, it's Jason Tindall's behaviour. If it's not this, it's that. It's a bit of a joke. They hate us because they ain't us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peanut butter and jealous. <laughs> but yeah, I think one one kind of final point I wanted to talk about the Brentford game. Obviously, a fantastic victory. And when have we ever been that team that turns things around after going down to then turn things around and then win the game, especially away? Uh, yes, yeah, so I had one more thing to talk about, uh, but I see Gray's got his hand up, feeling it's on Alexander Izak. Go on, Gray, take it away. So you mentioned that he scored seven goals for us. Yes. Sorry, I'm not even listening to my own podcast. Uh, so he scored eight goals for us, and I think the vast majority of those, five or six of those, have been when we've either been in a losing position or we have been drawing to take the lead. So his goals have either equalised for us or they've taken us into the lead which I think just shows his impact from the goals that he's been scoring, which I think is huge and certainly a stat which is worth pointing out and the value he's bringing our side at the minute. He's a big game player, not necessarily against big teams, but he comes up with the goods when needed. He's just as cold as fucking ice, isn't he? I mean, it was the name of our last podcast. What was it? Ice Ice Isaac. Uh, he's yeah. absolutely cool as a Swedish cucumber hodgie. Do you want some deep facts here? Yeah, go on then. So minutes per goal is 102, which is second behind, uh, obviously, the machine that is uh, Erling Haaland. Um, he's had 18 shots on target, only two off. Fucking hell. His successful passes since he's joined the club is 82%. Successful long passes, 100%. From a striker. But mind you, he's probably only played one, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, chances created, he's had eight as well as his eight goals that he scored. Bloody hell. I mean, we've got a bit of a talent on our hands, don't we? And he's only 23. Sick. 23. I mean, that's what you pay the big bucks for, isn't it? I'm glad he's paying his way at the minute. But again, you've got to give a nod to Callum Wilson. Came on, made all the difference against Brentford. I think uh, he caused their centre-halves a whole boatload of trouble. He just makes an absolute nuisance of himself. Gets himself in there. He holds the ball up, which is something we just didn't have in the first half and really, really made the difference alongside our mate Anthony Gordon. Which brings me on very nicely to final point on the game, which I wanted to mention before we roll off. There's a video circulating at the minute of Anthony Gordon when he comes off the pitch, obviously not happy at all, but verging on being quite disrespectful. I think he slaps Matt Ritchie's hand away, doesn't want to speak to Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe then grabs a hold of him and he's trying to get away. I was a little bit worried to see that given how notoriously good our team morale and the team ethic is at the minute and the atmosphere that Eddie Howe has brought into the dressing room. I don't want any rotten apples ruining that. I'm sure there's a saying in there, rotten apples spoiling something, but you you get the gist. I mean, Gray, well, if you look back, I think the signs were there that he had this side to him at Everton, but are we on the verge of of seeing Anthony Gordon overstep the line? I think he did that and it wasn't good to see, but you can look at it two ways. One is it's clear that he wants to be playing football and he came on as a sub at half time and obviously clearly wasn't happy at being substituted. And I think maybe there's some misinterpretation there. It's that substitution is wholly about game management and time wasting a little bit, mm-hmm. which apparently we are masters at. But it's good to see that he wants to be playing football and he's clearly disappointed when he does get substituted. But I think he needs to show respect to Eddie Howe and his decision-making. 
and to yeah not really shake Richie's hand and then to almost push Howe away from him as we're sitting down one really good thing to see was actually Willick jumped up out of the bench to try and just get Gordon back into his seat and probably just like calm him down a little bit mm. but I think you've got to remember that he is pretty young like you say he's got that reputation of being quite feisty so is Willick though yeah but I think Willick's been at the club out a little bit longer probably he's bought into Howe's kind of methodologies and things a little bit more and he's, he's more used to being around the team, the culture which we've built, where I think Gordon's probably still feels like he's got a point to prove. And if he's going to only be on the pitch for 45 minutes, he's not going to be able to prove that point. But he needs to be looking bigger picture and looking at the team as opposed to him. Mm. And I mean, he did post on Instagram all the smiley faces with the other teammates, like celebrating with Bruno and then in the team photo at the end, which we do and I absolutely love. It was all smiles and things like that. And how it came out and even said that he needs to learn to control his emotions. Yeah, I think we just got to remember he is a young player and I reckon we can manage it. There's even photos of Richie having his arm around him at the end of the game and kind of consoling him a bit. Yeah, I was going to mention that actually. It was good and another kind of tick against the box of Richie potential coach in the future. But he obviously sensed that, took him over to the Newcastle away fans to say thank you. Richie doesn't mind. He's adapted well to kind of the role he has to play. It's all about the role you've got to play in this team and getting the best results. I mean, Gordon had a really good 45 minutes. I think it's probably just the idea of a sub being subbed. That's maybe how, if I don't know if it's like an insecurity thing or like how, that's probably how he will view it as being seen. But he made a really, really valuable contribution that second half. Obviously changed the game. He's played well when he has played. Yeah, you're right. And Howe's right as well. He needs to control his emotions and we need to nip that in the bud as soon as we possibly can. Otherwise, Mad Dog Tindall's probably going to chin him. Oh, gee, <laughs> did you have any thoughts on Gordon's behaviour? I think it's obviously just the heat of the moment thing. He's a passionate kid, wants to really do well. He's obviously left his boyhood club to come here and wants to really kick on. So it's obviously just a bit of frustration, but I'm sure Eddie Howell have already had a chat with him pretty and just been like, look, like, You've got to trust us and you've got to trust where we're going onto bigger and better things. Where would you rather be, third position or in 17th position with your team battling a relegation? There's two schools of thought. You're right. It's like, is it just passion? Is it emotion? Is he just wearing his heart on his sleeve or is he being a disrespectful little shit? Let's hope it's the first. How and kind of the, the dressing room can manage that one out of him. But yes, to round it up, another great result against Brentford. That means five wins on the bounce now, very firmly in third position. But we've got Man United and we've got Tottenham breathing down our necks. We move on to the next game, which is on Saturday, I believe. Half 12. It is. Early, early kickoff off on Saturday the 15th of April, away at Aston Villa again. That's going to be three away games on the bounce. Yep. And schedulers. Yeah, we got, well, we got five out of seven. The schedulers have royally fucked us there, but thankfully the results haven't. And then a big crunch match against Tottenham on the 23rd of April. So a really, really big couple of games for us now. If we now end on our match predictions or score predictions for the Aston Villa game, Hodgie, I'll come to you first. What are we saying for the Villa game on Saturday? Well, now we've found a bit of goal scoring form. We've been scoring at least two. Every game, I'm going to say 2-0 to the tune. 2-0 to the tune. All right. Okay, we, you're right. We do like to score two goals. Gray, what are you thinking? I think it's going to be a tricky one, but yeah, it's hard to look past kind of the, the form we're in. And I'm just looking at Villa's recent results. They've won 2-0, 2-1, like the one that beat Chelsea. Won their last four, haven't they? Yeah, only drew with West Ham, but beat Bournemouth. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, I reckon it's going to be close, but why not go for another ambitious prediction? It's like, yeah, we'll win 3-1. 3-1. Yeah, Villa are up to sixth now. Uh, win, 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 draw in the last five games. So Unai Emery is hot property at the minute. Did we beat them 4-0 at home when we last played them in October? Uh, I think we did. Yeah, yes, we did. We did, 4-0. did we? We did, yeah. Wilson got to Joe Linton and Albert. Was that when it was Stevie G? No, Unai Emery. No, he'd just been sacked, I think. It was yeah. A. Danks was the manager, whoever the fuck A. Danks is. Let's see if any Unai Emery can, can work his magic. Let's hope not. I'm going to go, given the shit-hot form that Aston Villa are in at the minute, and Ollie Watkins in particular, Ooh, I think uh, he'll probably get a goal. I'm going to go for 2-2. 2-2. As long as we don't lose, I don't mind. Let's go, boys. Uh, right, so that pretty much rounds it up for this week. Two games to get through. Absolute mammoth. It's a pleasure as always to record. Thanks very much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. 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 See you later. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 